If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Hebrews in chapter 12, or a Bible app, Hebrews chapter 12. We're taking a brief break from our series in the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can just listen along. Tiffany's going to come and read our passage for us. Thank you, Tiffany, for doing so. And then I will introduce our guest speaker. Good morning. All right, I'm reading from Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I have the joy of introducing a friend of mine, uh, Chris Solar. He's here with his wife, Marie. Sung and I have known Chris and Marie for decades now, actually. Um, Sung used to work with Chris many years ago. And when I found out the Salards would be out here visiting family, I said, oh, please, please, would you visit with us and would you teach us as well? Because Chris has been a pastor for many, many years also. And he was pastoring one of the pastors where Sung and I were members and from which we were sent out to plant a church a number of years ago. And so it's delight to have the Salards with us as Chris and I were interacting about what he might teach I mentioned, you know, Chris, you are a man that always inspires me in terms of your example of trusting God. You're an example to me of a man of faith. You trust our trustworthy God and you minister out of that and you, you live out of that. And so I'm very, very glad that Chris will teach us from this passage this morning that you just heard. So Chris, please come and teach us from God's word. Let's welcome Chris. My ER nurse wife has told me to go through my COVID routine. Life is very different right now. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Good. San Diego is an awful place. <laughs> Why does anybody want to live here? I'd like to be able to tell you that Tab just flew me all the way out here just to preach to you. I'm not that good. But it is a joy to be with you. Um, Tab has spoken of his affection for you. And the church has been here, is it almost 10 years now? Eight years. Eight years, Eight years. yeah. My wife and I had the, the joy of planning a church in Frederick, Maryland, which is about a, an hour from D.C. back in 2006. So we understand a little bit about uh, maybe what you all have gone through. And I've been uh, wonderfully surprised to find out you worship the same Jesus on the West Coast as we worship on the East Coast. That's, 
That was very good to hear. Now, it's wonderful to be here, and even though we're separated uh, east and west by a lot of land between us, we are together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And on behalf of my wife and I, just what a joy to be here to worship with you, our wonderful God. I have uh, discovered, as I'm aging, that my ability to push through physical tiredness is not what it used to be. I just run out of gas. Compare that to swimmer Diana Nyad. If you're familiar with Diana, in September of 2013, she became the first person to swim from Cuba to Florida. Cuba to Florida. That is 110 miles in 53 hours, and she was, get this, 64 years old. I will be 64 years old in five months, and I can still do an entire lap of the pool. <laughs> she did this having failed four times before, without a shark cage surrounded by poisonous box jellyfish. Apparently the waters, I would have thought would be warm, the waters at night were freezing cold. 64 years old, Cuba to Florida. That's a long way. I cannot imagine how exhausted she must have felt and how tempting it was for her to give up. How did Diane and Nyad keep going mile after grueling mile? Diana endured because in her mind she saw the opposite shore getting closer. She said she imagined she used her left hand to push Cuba further away and her right hand to bring Florida nearer. That image helped her keep going. Does it ever seem to you like the longer you follow Jesus, the more tired you feel, the more weary you are? Day after day, mile after mile, following Christ, my beloved brothers and sisters, following Christ is hard work. And we face distractions, we face the discouragement of life, we face the deceitfulness of sin that tempts us to find hope and satisfaction in something less than God himself. The author of Hebrews wrote these words that were just read to people who are facing the very same kinds of temptations. These people were tempted actually to abandon their faith because of their suffering. How did they endure? How do we endure? How do we keep trusting God and doing His work day after day? We endure by hearing, by believing, and by doing what these two verses say. It's not complicated, but it's life-changing. Just to set these verses in their context, you, you need to understand a little bit that these two verses really are somewhat climactic to what began halfway back in chapter 10. In chapters 10 and 11, in, in chapter 10, the author is talking to people who were discouraged and weary. He says, remember what you endured. Remember the persecutions. Remember you, you had things confiscated, maybe houses and possessions. You endured suffering because of your trust in Jesus Christ. Remember that. 
and hold on. So then he goes on in chapter 11. If you're familiar with the book, he, he lists example after example after example of people who endured suffering because of their faith in Christ. See, the point of chapter 11 is that Old Testament believers were suffering for their faith, but they endured because they saw God and they saw the other shore. They could see it. Those believers could relate to our temptations even though our situations, your situations, may be different. You might be dealing with an angry boss, challenging job, or maybe a job you just don't like. Maybe because of COVID or some other circumstances, you're dealing with not having a job at all. Maybe you're enduring a difficult relationship day after day with someone you love and care about. Maybe you've experienced sickness. Maybe someone you know has contracted COVID and maybe even died from it. That's incredibly difficult. People may be excluding you from their social group or at work or mistreating you because they know you have faith in Jesus. They just don't like you. The responsibilities of caring for young children. Or maybe you're dealing with children who are, are wandering and they're not saved yet. It's hard. You look at the needs in your own church for growth and for change. You look at the needs in this incredible city that you live in and you wonder how are we going to be able to accomplish all that God has called us to do in our mission for the gospel. See, enduring faith has enemies. It will be opposed, and we need to be aware of the reasons our faith should endure and where the power for enduring faith comes from. And that, here's what I think is contained. Here's my summary, my attempt to summarize what the two verses in Hebrews 12 say. And there's a challenge and a wonderful promise in these two verses. Here they are, the, the challenge and the promise. The enduring faith Jesus requires, that's the challenge, is the enduring faith Jesus also provides. That's the promise. The enduring faith Jesus requires is the enduring faith Jesus also provides. See, my friends, it's essential to persevere. That's a major point the book of Hebrews makes over and over again. That's the challenge. Don't quit. But Hebrews also tells us how we endure. It turns our eyes to where our faith can be sustained and where our enduring hope can be strengthened. It turns our eyes to Jesus Christ, to who he is, to what he's done, and to what he will do. That is the promise. The challenge is endure. The promise is Christ will enable you to endure. So these verses make two simple points that can dramatically strengthen our endurance. And I want to make an attempt to try to, to go through those and learn together with you. The first is this. The enduring faith Jesus requires. The enduring faith Jesus requires. Verse 1 describes the kind of faith that endures. Before we're told, however, how our faith should endure, we're reminded it produced endurance in the lives of Old Testament believers. Do you see the first word? What's the first word in chapter 12? Therefore. Therefore. In the back, can't hear you? Therefore. 
Therefore, thank you. Therefore, therefore, therefore. If you've, if you've grown and understand how to read your Bible, therefore doesn't refer to something coming. It refers to what was, a, what was behind, right? Therefore, in light of, since. So it's a summary, and it says we're surrounded by this cloud, which is just a picture of a lot, a huge amount of people. That's a biblical picture. And it's a cloud of witnesses. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that they are watching us. Maybe they can see us. I have no idea. But that's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, we're watching you as you strive in this race and cheering you on, saying, go for it. That's not what it's saying. God wants us to see what they did with their faith. They're witnessing to us through their lives. A witness testifies to the truth about something. So what do the lives of these Old Testament believers outlined in chapter 11 testify about? Well, I think primarily they testify two things that they saw. If you have your Bible, look at verse 13 of chapter 11. First, they testify to seeing, seeing a promise. It says these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them. You see that? They saw a promise. They saw something God said, I have prepared for you. A city, a place, a heritage, reward. They saw a promise, eternity and all that comes with it. Secondly, verse 27, they saw a person. By faith, speaking of Moses, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured, there's that word, as seeing him who is invisible. They saw a promise and they saw a person. Faith is relying on what God has said and what God will do. Faith is not something that we can experience by our senses, our feelings. It can't be proven that way. It is truth God reveals to us through his word. That's what the first verse of chapter 11 tells us. So here in verse 1 of chapter 12, we're told, us also. You see that? Look at your Bible. Us also. We're told to imitate those who lived in reliance on God and not upon other things. Not upon our government. Not upon our country. Not upon our church, even. Our ultimate reliance rests upon God. And God points you and I to these people to say this. You are not alone. Look at them. They made it. But also to say, <laughs> this is the normal experience of anyone who wants to follow Jesus. You still in? The race will be difficult. I think C.S. Lewis said, if you want an easy religion, I definitely don't recommend Christianity. But faith in a divine promise and in a divine person enabled them to endure the hardships of living for God. Verse 1 also tells us how to imitate their example. I was thinking about Diana Nyad and this incredible swim she did. It's not the only incredible swim she did, but I, I was thinking about this. And what if right before Diana got into the water, 
Some members of her team came up to her with some five or ten pound weights and said, hey, Diana, add these to your suit. You know, we sewed these pockets in your suit. We want you to add five pound weights, ten pound weights, just, just to make this a little more challenging, you know? Nobody's ever done that before. What do you think? My, my uh, back in a different lifetime, I actually worked in the aquatics field and I would work with these swimmers. I was not a competitive swimmer, but I worked with these, these swimmers and I would watch how they would get ready for race day. And do you know what they did? These, these were the first dudes, the first guys I ever saw shave their entire bodies. I don't mean their heads, I mean their entire bodies. Any swimmers here? Competitive swimmers? No, I'm talking, no competitive swimmers? Are we in San Diego? What in the world? So they would do everything possible, whether it's their suit, their goggles, right? Everything to reduce the drag. They wanted to make it. So endurance swimmers and endurance runners all share something in common in addition to being out of their minds. They all want to reduce drag whatever slows them down. To run with endurance and effectiveness, that's what he's saying. Weights, we need to get rid of anything that slows us down. What, well, he gives two categories to that. What can slow us down? The first thing he calls weights. And he, what he means is this. Legitimate things, things that are allowable, that can take us away from God and our service to God. In other words, he's, he's not talking about the things in the Bible, not yet. The scripture says, no, th those are out of bounds. Those are forbidden. He's talking about what John Piper calls gardening, apple pie, good things, going to the gym, enjoying the beach, watching Netflix, being on your phone, all things that are legitimate things. He, Piper says God's greatest enemies are his gifts because they subtly take us away from God. How do you know? How do you know when a good thing in your life that seems harmless has actually become a weight that is now dragging you down? I think maybe a, a simple way to know is this. When a good thing has kept you from the best thing, when a good thing in your life that is allowable is keeping you from doing the things you know God wants you to do. When there's so much Netflix or Amazon Prime watching that the Bible now gets neglected, left on the shelf. You're not opening it. When your love to be online and social media or with your friends or just hanging out with people, you can't do that much with COVID, but even as virtual, keeps you from remembering that you have a neighbor or somebody in your school or somebody on one of your sports teams or somebody at work who desperately needs to know that Jesus Tab was just talking about. When good things keep you from doing the things God knows you want you wants you to do. And then he gives a second category. I was 
unpleasantly surprised to find out that you all, I was actually shocked to find out you actually do have bugs in San Diego. I had a friend who, who was a pastor who tried to convince me to come to San Diego, oh man, many years ago. And he told me there were no bugs here. I have to call him when we're done with this and tell him that he lied to me. But I was really shocked to find out you actually have spiders here. But I guess that makes sense. Bugs, spiders. You can understand that this is not my strong suit, right? So, um, at home, back in Maryland, my wife and I are constantly finding ourselves walking out the front door or the back door, and suddenly there are these incredibly thin spider web threads in our face, on our hands, our arms, our hair, well, her hair, uh, my head, and, and, and you can't even see them. They're so, you can't even see them, but you can feel it. You're like, ah, what is this? They're just everywhere. Well, they're even here. I'm so sorry you have to endure that. But these spider webs are everywhere, and when they get on me in my face or whatever, I've got to stop for a minute and try to deal with them, and they're hard to get off. And they, they get all over me, and I'm trying to rub them off, and then even when they're off, you have that feeling like they're still there. You know what I'm talking about? It's just awful. It's horrible. These, these spider webs just get all over me, and they entangle me. I can't see them at first, but eventually I discover they're there. Sin will do that very same thing to you. At first, it may seem okay. This won't be harmful. Just this one time. Whatever that is. And the author of Hebrews is saying, it, it will entangle you. It will slow you down in the race, and if it can, it will get you out of the race altogether. And he's warning us, because he loves us. So let me ask you, what might be a good thing holding you back in your race? We all carry some weights. I do. I have to watch out. I have to watch out for my, my desire for just living a comfortable life. I just want life to be comfortable. Doesn't seem so bad. I want everyone to like me. Or I can be content with the fact that I'm saved without experiencing grief over people who are not. Those, those are some of the weights I have to watch out for, among many other things. And running this race also requires getting rid of whatever God calls sin. So let me ask you, I don't know you, but God does. Are you entangled right now in anything that the Bible calls sin? Jesus, Jesus requires faith that endures until the finish line. He does. Because faith that endures is the only kind of faith that can save us. Jesus requires faith. That's the challenge. But there's a promise. And verse 2 makes all the difference in running this race. Jesus doesn't just require faith. He also enables it. The second thing we learn here is the enduring faith that Jesus provides. Verse 2, let's read that together again. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand 
of the throne of God. Now, we, we need to understand some of the terms he uses here. What does it mean to look to Jesus as founder and perfecter? What does that mean? I, I think it's probably best to understand, think of a pioneer. Think of the people who first came and discovered San Diego. You know, came from the East Coast and then never went back. I mean, why? Right? But they came, they came across the desert. They came across the mountains. They came across the Rockies. They came through all of this. And they, tra they, they were trailblazers, right? And then people followed in their wagons. What it means is this. Jesus blazed and completed the trail that we follow. One, one commentator puts it like this. He brought faith to its intended goal. Which means that because of what Jesus did, because of what he endured, now... Our faith can save us. It's enough. Our faith in Christ is enough. His endurance will bring us safely home. All right, I, I, I struck out on swimmers. Has anybody here gone hiking? Ever? Walking out your door? Okay. All right, if you've ever gone hiking, I, I understand here maybe it's not, it's not the same. You don't have the... There's many of these, you know, the, you don't have the kind of trees we have on the East Coast. You don't have woods like we do. But if you've lived on the East Coast or if you've been in different parts of the country or the world where you have those kinds of trails where you, you can sometimes see the sky, sometimes not, I would rather have someone else blaze the trail than just go off the trail on my own and try to find my way. Maybe some of you like that. Maybe you like the idea of finding your own way with a compass and all that. You're, you're cool. I, do, I don't want to have to blaze my own trail. And I don't have to. Because of what Jesus endured. And that's what it says. It says he endured. He's the founder and perfecter who for the joy that set before him endured the cross. Because he blazed the trail... Because he hung on the cross to bear your sin. Because he experienced the eternal justice of a holy God. You don't have to. That trail has already been blazed. Now the trail you're on just brings you to him. What was Jesus looking at? He was also walking by faith. It says the joy set before him. What is that? What was the joy that Jesus was anticipating on the other side? After death, when he was raised again. Part of it, certainly a huge part of it, was pleasing the Father, right? He talked about the whole time. You're in the book of John. He talks about pleasing the Father, doing those things that pleased the Father, right? But it wasn't just pleasing the Father. Part of the joy set before him was you. You, your name, your face, your presence with him in eternity. That's how much he loves you. He didn't just do this because God wanted him to do it. He did it because he loves you personally. And he wants you with him. Now what this doesn't mean though it does point us to Jesus' example, bear with me, it, it doesn't mean, hey, Jesus made it, why can't you? Buck up. 
Stop whining. That's not what it means. God does not motivate us like that. Ever. Looking to Jesus does mean to imitate his example. He saw pleasing God and saving us worth the shame of the cross. Despising the shame. In other words, okay, I don't really care. Yes, the cross is about as shameful as it could get for Jesus. For anyone in that society. For us, it means this. Be willing to carry the shame of our association with him in a culture that may reject and marginalize and hate us for that. But it also looks means looking to him as the one who accomplished everything needed to save us. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're here because your family brought you. Maybe you're here because you're curious about Jesus and you're still trying to figure him out. That's great. Really glad you're here. I mean, really, really glad. But let me tell you what this says. You cannot blaze your own trail to God. And you don't have to. You cannot say, I'm going to design my own custom fit way that I'm comfortable with to get to God. You can't do that. And if you try to blaze your own trail, your own way of getting to God, instead of accepting what Jesus did for you to bring you to God, at the end of the trail, you're going to find out that you made a mistake that cannot be undone. And if that applies to you, I, I hope that you will come to understand this Jesus who loves so personally has made room for you to be with him. He blazed the trail for you and did what you could not. You know something? Enduring faith does not mean perfect faith, does it? Anybody here a perfect faith? Man, I hope I don't see a hand go up. That was an easy one. Enduring faith does not mean perfect faith. It doesn't mean that you will never have times of doubt that you'll never have questions or struggles in your trust in God. Those are all part of normal Christianity. You know, when you read through Hebrews 11, or you read Paul, you, you think, did these guys ever blow it? Yes, they did. They needed a Savior as much as you do. They were not perfect. Normal Christianity does not mean perfect Christianity. The Psalms prove that. The point is that faith endures to the end of the race, not that it never stumbles while we're running. So how does Jesus provide faith for his people? How does he provide this enduring faith? He strengthens us by the presence of his spirit within us while we run. He does. When you're feeling like you can't, you can't do it, he's, he's there to strengthen you. He helps us to see spiritual realities so we interpret hardships and our goal in life differently. You ever had that happen? You think, man, this, this, how can this possibly be a good thing? It may not be a good thing, but how can God be using this in my life? This is just horrible. And sometimes you discover two or four or ten years later what God was doing. Some of that we won't find out until eternity. The, the word is the primary way he strengthens our faith, right? Faith comes by hearing. We've got to be in the Bible, not because Tab says so, 
not because the church says so. That's, that's where faith comes from. If, if your faith is getting weaker, my guess is probably you're not spending much time hearing the word of the gospel and reading your Bible. He strengthens us by assuring us of what's waiting for us at the end of the race. Now, did you notice at the end of verse 12, it says he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's called a theological term for that. It's called his session. It, it means he is co-reigning with God, God the Father, God the Son, but it also means he's finished. His work is done for salvation. And do you know what? He's still seated there today. Your life may not feel like it right now. Our country may not feel like it right now. Jesus is on his throne. Today, yesterday, forever the same. I am aware that he's the ultimate witness. He's the one saying it's worth it. It's worth it. It's true. And he says, I'm waiting at the end for you. I'm waiting. My guess is that some of you, maybe not today, maybe it'll be tomorrow, but you feel like you're not sure you're going to make it. And you're tempted to seek life and hope instead of something other than Jesus. Have you ever said or thought, have you ever said or thought, God, I'm not sure I can take much more of this. My hand is up because I have. I have thought that. I have said that. God, I'm not sure I can take much more of this. I've been weary. I, I don't have time to explain, but the last three years plus have been a desert. How can our faith endure when trouble knocks at your door, moves in, and won't move out? Here's how. We focus on the one who preserves us in every trouble. And when you focus on Jesus, he will change your perspective, even if he doesn't change your situation. He doesn't promise to change your situation. But he will change your perspective and provide what you need to endure. And we don't endure just by trying harder. I guess he's preachers are saying try harder. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not what Hebrews is saying. Yes, it's hard work. But we endure by trusting in the one who already did. So let me ask you as we begin to wrap up here. What, what are you facing right now? What are you facing the trials of life or the challenges of living for Jesus right now? Teenager, young person, adult, older person. What are you facing? Do you know that God has perfectly designed your race? Specifically. You're not in the wrong race. The coach didn't put you in the sprint when you belong in the distance. He didn't do that. He knows your race. He designed it for you. He promises to enable you endure by pointing you to the victory of his son. You know, those heroes of the faith back in chapter 11, friends, they were just as weak as we are. Just as weak. 
God enabled them to keep going, often through unbelievable hardships. They kept going when they couldn't see the shoreline with their eyes, but they saw it in their minds. Every church faces challenges. Now, our, our being here in the park is an example, right? Every church faces challenges now, and they will in the future. Every church needs to grow, to change, and needs forward progress in mission. Does that surprise you? It shouldn't. Read your New Testament. <laughs> you want to be encouraged? A lot of the churches were a mess. The church is a group of God's imperfect people faithfully trying to follow Jesus, sometimes succeeding, sometimes failing, and always being changed by God. That's who we are. So, we can respond to challenges with anger. I've done that. Discouragement. I've done that too. Self-pity. We can withdraw into a ball of self-protection. Or, we can respond by seeing Jesus Christ and all he's promised us and enduring our faith in him. Faith produces endurance. To build our lives and churches upon God's truth. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a long distance race. Let me ask you this. Do you think your name, your name, could never appear in this hall of faith? Like the names of the people in chapter 11? Did you know that one day it will? One day it will. Not, not in the Bible. But it's being written down right now, this morning, every moment. God is recording every moment that we trust Him. And He's aware of every moment we fail, but then turn to Him and get up and start running again. Every time you repent, like we did together this morning, every time you forgive someone, every conversation with a non-Christian friend, neighbor, co-worker, fellow student. Every time you have them over to dinner, at least virtually, how does that work right now? <laughs> Maybe you talk to them over the fence with your, your mask on. Every time, every small service, the people who set up the, the microphones and, and the stage here, the people who serve in the children's ministry when you have one, the people doing the unnoticed things, God is writing it down. Oh, look! Look what they did. I'm writing that down. Every time you read the word, every time you teach it to your children or to someone else, every time, etc., 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 every small act of obedience and trust is being written down. Every time. And every time you choose to trust God and do what he says, do you know what you're doing? You're pushing away this world with your left hand. And you're drawing heaven closer with your right. Pushing it away. Pulling it closer. Jesus is waiting on the shore. Can I hear an amen? amen. He. He. Is the joy set before us. He. Is what makes heaven. Heaven. Seeing that joy set before us will keep us running for God, running towards God, and one day you and I won't need faith anymore because we will walk by sight. And Scripture tells us 
that one day we will each receive praise from God, praise from God, as he reviews the record of our imperfect but enduring faith. The faith he requires, but the faith he also fully and graciously and powerfully and wonderfully provides through the enduring victory of his magnificent son, Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I, if I'm honest, there are times I just, I want my race to be over. I, I don't want to die. But endurance is hard. It's just hard work. Times I don't want to have another conversation with one of my kids. That's hard. Or my wife, when we disagree. Times when I don't want to reach out to that neighbor and have a conversation. I just want to keep going and get in my door. Times when I don't want to serve in secret and do the small thing. Times when I don't want to open the word, when I don't want to read my Bible. And Netflix just seems a whole lot more attractive. Lord, there are so many times when I find I am hindered by a weight or even a sin that's entangled me. And I know that these brothers and sisters, though I don't know them, they're no different. We worship the same Jesus and we have the same challenges. So Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for the, the church as a whole. I pray for every man, woman, child here who knows Christ, that they will endure until the end. They won't say, I just need to work harder, but they will look at the victory, the enduring faith of Jesus Christ, what he suffered and how that made it all possible. And that everything he did is now all they need to trust in to make it safely home. Let this church prosper, let it grow, let its mission expand inwardly and outwardly. Let the gospel and the glory of this beautiful Jesus, this one we call Lord and Savior, let him be seen in San Diego. Let him be seen through the lives of the church. Let him be worshipped and known and adored and glorified. Thank you that he's seated. Thank you that you're ruling. And thank you that you strengthen us to keep running towards you. In Christ's name.